and welcome to Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library, three games at a time. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, and we rank them, and that is pretty much all you need to know. I am Steampunk Link. I'm ME Zero. And today, we have got the sports. We have got so much sports, we are basically Pivoting to sports, we are a sports ball podcast now. More sports than you can st- than you can shake a sports stick at, or stick a sports shake at. I don't know how sports work, but we're going to talk about them. That's what we do here. Um, we've got the tennis ball sports. We've got the basketball sports. We've got sports of the brain. That's a ball too. Yeah, your brain is kind of ball shaped unless you were to take it out and then it's mostly liquid, but luckily we're not going to do that here. So, that's uh that's sports. Boy, sports. Sporty sports, sports sports. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> that is a thing sports people say, I'm sure. Yeah. So what have uh what have we got today? We're still in December of 1992 and uh we got three games today. So today we have uh Jimmy Connors Pro Tennis. Actually, let me uh double check that title here. Uh Jimmy Connors Pro Tennis Tour NBA All-Star Challenge and Jeopardy. Before we get to any of that, I I actually have a few announcements to get out of the way. First of all, we are going ahead with our Star Trek thing. We did a Star Trek pilot a few few weeks ago at this point. Yeah, it might have been. It was like a, a month and a half ago. A little while anyway. Yeah, so we've decided we're going to break that out into its own thing. It's going to be a bi-weekly podcast in all likelihood. Hopefully we can keep that going. We'll we'll try our darndest. Um, so the podcast that we did on that already is probably going to come out of the feed that you're listening to this one on, and it's going to go into its own feed. I will have more details on that on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Snescapades, or you can follow me on Instagram at Snescapades. I'll probably try and announce stuff on the website too, which is honestpiranha.com, all one word, no hyphens or anything, which is working again. You can go there and check out the cool website. You can check out the list of the Sines games, our, our ranking list, and you can even see what the ranking list looked like at different points in the show as we went through uh, by clicking on an episode and checking the list in that episode. So lots of neat things you can do there. That is all super cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, hopefully this one does not break like the last one did. Crossing my fingers. One last announcement that I do want to shout out really quick. I will have been on the Play Comics podcast as a guest last Sunday, I believe, as of this episode going up. So go check out Play Comics podcast as well. I believe that you can find them on all the podcast apps. It was a lot of fun uh, talking about Ranma one half. Uh, something that I had to basically give myself a crash course in because I did not know a whole lot about it going into it. Um, with that show's host, Chris, he was a lot of fun to talk to. We talked about that game in the context of Ranma One Half Hard Battle on the SNES, which is a game we will talk about on this show. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I guess uh, with all that out of the way, we can move on to the games, the sports. Yep, let's let's dive in. And uh, start throwing some balls. No, actually, not in this first one, but still. Who's 
crystal balls. To, we're just yeah, like we're throwing not them throwing them, though. We're hitting them with a racket. You know, it's just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Jimmy Connors, pro tennis tour. Jimmy Connor, he was uh, a well-known tennis man, uh, known far across the land. His exploits were told in stories and folklore. The time he defeated a, a Gilgamesh with his mighty racket of courage. That's him. He sounds really brave and great. And uh, I'm glad there is this game about him. Yep. Yeah. Um, he, um, this part is actually true. I, I saw on his Wikipedia page that he has been in an episode of Family Guy. So. I mean, realistically, even though neither of us have really heard of Jimmy Connors, he must have been pretty famous because they made this game with his name on it. Yeah, it seems like he was a pretty prominent tennis person throughout the 80s. I don't know how late into the 90s he was still playing tennis. This might have been kind of like the tail end of his career. But uh, I'll be honest, I did not do a lot of research on Jimmy Connors. So apologies to him, I guess. Not like he's listening to this anyway. He's definitely not listening to this. Do you have uh, any any information, though, about the people that made this game that you'd like to share before we get into talking about it? I this one comes to us from Ubisoft and Blue Byte Studios. A lot of history on Blue Byte can be found at their own website, so that should tell you right out of the gate that their story uh, thus far has not featured a tragic ending. That's kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah, they were founded in Germany in 1988 and are something of a pioneer in the German gaming industry. Uh, the company first started out in Mulheim, but would end up in Dusseldorf where the company still resides today. Jimmy Connors' Pro Tennis Tour is actually a port of their very first game, which was released in 1989, originally on computers like the Amiga and the Amstrad and the Commodore 64, among others. Uh, some of these versions had different names, like Great Courts. It would end up getting DOS ports as well, and even got released on the Atari Lynx handheld a year after this version came out. Wow, okay. Through the late 80s and early 90s, they'd release other odds and ends, mostly for computer systems, uh, many of their games being published by Ubisoft, like Tom and the Ghost, which is about a seven-year-old needing to save his mother from a sorcerer's lair in Scotland with the help of a knight's spirit. And also the... Uh, Molecule Building Puzzle Game at Tomino. That is a very good title. Uh, in 1991, they would self-publish Battle Isle, a sci-fi turn-based strategy game which would kick off a number of strategy game franchises for the company. These included The Great War and Surf City. Surf spelled S-E-R-F. Ah, okay. That's less exciting, I feel like. But wait till you hear the subtitle, though. Surf City... Life is Feudal. Oh, yeah. that Okay, yeah, that brought it back around. Good. So that game would get renamed to the Settlers in Europe, and uh, that's the name that would eventually end up sticking worldwide after the release of The Settlers 2. I have to say The Settlers, that is finally, of all of these, that is a name I'm familiar with. Yeah, not surprising, because The Settlers is a very long-running franchise that even now has a new installment in the works. So Blue Byte would end up getting absorbed by Ubisoft, but the studio is still around as Ubisoft Blue Byte, and they've even added more studios into the fold, one in Berlin and one in Mainz. The main studio is one of the Ubisoft studios currently working on Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is a huge big-budget game yeah. uh, following up the cult classic, what would you call it, action RPG from the... 
PS2 GameCube? It's it's like an adventure, action adventure game. It's kind of like a Zelda game, basically. Great game, actually. One of my all-time favorites. Hopefully things are better there than at many other Ubisoft studios currently. That is true, yeah. Ubisoft has uh, been getting some pretty bad press, and from what it sounds like, well-deserved uh, pretty bad press lately. Hopefully for all the workers on the ground, it, you know, things are okay. this game this this jimmy connor's world tour tennis game i admire the options this game has uh i think that it does have like we were we were talking about before we started the recording some good accessibility options to go along with just a, a variety of different game options um it does have a mode that allows the tennis players to essentially move automatically so that the only thing you have to do is hit the shots correctly uh it has a nice kind of aiming reticule i guess you'd you'd say for serving the ball so so that you have a very clear sense of where it's going to go it even has some training uh options here which i don't think are super comprehensive or or that useful but it's kind of nice that they're here beyond that it's got some pretty standard options for you know just the different gameplay types you know there's a a single one-on-one match there's a tournament mode there's there's the standard three different types of court that we've seen in other tennis games uh that you can select i think there's actually more than three aren't there They've got a weird Antarctic court. I think it's got a few others. I think it's got like an indoor, which I don't know what the difference between indoor and like turf or clay would be. But yeah, it's it's got a few different options there. Actually, you know, I, I was a little bit impressed by the, the breadth of options that were available. I, I think it's probably a little bit more robust than what we've seen in a lot of games. There's a lot of variety in terms of like how you can play. You can do singles, doubles. Du- you can do co-op doubles with a friend. You can do competitive doubles. You can even do doubles one player and have... Uh, your partner be uh, computer controlled. The other thing that I, that kind of impressed me with this was, uh, yeah, what you alluded to earlier, which you could kind of be maybe considered an early version of accessibility options in which you can change the control input to easy mode where your player will move automatically to best position themselves to hit the ball and all you have to worry about is timing. I think that as far as the the presentation of the game goes, it's kind of on the basic side, honestly. There's no fancy Mode 7 tricks here for sure, and some pretty simple, not tremendously attractive character sprites for the for the players. I believe that Jimmy Connors is the only real-world tennis player that's, that's in this game. Yeah, all of the other players are just uh, made up whole cloth. The... Uh strangely white looking Japanese player, for example, is not actually a player in the in the real world of tennis. Also, none of the coaches are real. So unfortunately there there do not just happen to be coaches in tennis named Wayne and Garth. I mean, there probably are somewhere, but uh that's not really a thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I I don't have really strong opinions about this game. I appreciate that it is well put together. There's nothing wrong with any aspect of it. And I like all those options. But as far as it goes, like, I don't really know that there's a lot that makes this stand out to me. In the exhibition mode, you can play as any of the 
players that are available, but in the tournament mode, you only get to play as Jimmy. The tournament mode, you know, it, it's probably similar to a lot of tournament modes that we've seen in other tennis games. In this particular game, anyway, you are selecting what tournament you want to participate in every month, and each tournament is worth a different number of points. You have to win that tournament, get points, and then be the player with the most points by the end of the calendar year. And how I suspect it works is that, you know, a tournament with fewer points at stake might be an easier tournament to win, but that also means, you know, you're missing out on more points. It's probably fun if you're really into tennis, but I really have to wonder, you know, if if you're super into tennis, minus the accessibility options, if you aren't better served (laughs) with... uh, something like Super Tennis, which is already on the list. I don't know. I feel like that was a much more sort of appealing package in a lot of ways as far as how it looked and felt to play than this is. It certainly had a lot more personality to it. Like I said, I don't think there's much in the way of anything that's wrong with this game. I just don't think it stands out that much. So are we ready to take a look at the list and see where this one might go? Yeah, I think we are. We've got, what, two tennis games? I believe it's two. Super Tennis as 73. And we've got David Crane's Amazing Tennis way down at 113. I think this is way better than David Crane's Amazing Tennis, despite the awesome jacket. Absolutely. Do you think this is better than Super Tennis? I don't think it is, no. I mean, I I wish that Super Tennis had all the the different options that this game has, but I think Super Tennis does a better job of making a fun video game out of out of what it has than than this game does. So I think it would drop below Super Baseball Simulator 1000 at mm-hmm. 74 for similar reasons. Super Bowling, though, like Super Bowling has a lot of personality. It's a completely functional bowling game, but it's also very limited. Yeah, it's a really basic game. So I think features wise, this game might actually have it over Super Bowling, despite its kind of, you know, lackluster presentation. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, frankly, the presentation only gets Super Bowling so far, given how simple it is. It is possible that Super Bowling would have ranked lower without that presentational stuff. But also, I don't think it would have been much lower. Like, I don't think that that adds enough to it that I can really give it a huge edge over this game, given how much more uh, how much more this game has going on than Super Bowling. I think it sounded like this is going to be our new number 75 between Super Baseball Simulator and Super Bowling. Uh, that sounds good to me. Very easy placement this time. All right, so congratulations, Jimmy. You've won numerous tennis titles, I'm sure. And today you win the honor of being number 75 on our list out of 127 games. So, you know. Not terrible. All right, well, we're going to move on to uh, to more sports, I guess. We're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about basketball, kind of? Sort of. It's not what you expect. We are talking about NBA All-Star Challenge, which um, I was assuming this would be a situation kind of like last week's NHL PA, where they had the player license, but not the teams. Exactly. I was thinking here, maybe they went and just got the rights to a bunch of NBA stars from past and present, and 
that the game would be a sort of basketball game featuring teams composed of legacy players and, and maybe a few current people as well. But it, it is not like that at all. This isn't really a proper basketball game, to be honest. No, it's more of like a basketball-themed minigame collection using the names and likenesses of a number of prominent NBA players of the time. Basically, each team is represented by one player. Um, You've got your kind of obvious ones like Michael Jordan for the Bulls or Larry Bird for the Celtics. Celtics? Celtics, I think, actually. So another thing that kind of surprised me was seeing all of the team names right there, because, again, I assumed that... They didn't have the actual NBA license. They just had, you know, the rights to certain players or maybe even the players associations. So they wouldn't have had the team names, but they do. They got the team names. They just don't have most of the players. So I didn't do a whole lot of uh, research on the companies this time because we got LJN and Beam again, which is, this, I believe, the same team that did uh, Smash TV. And we likely talked about both of those companies at that point. So I decided to give myself a little bit of a break on this one. But... I will say this, um, if you'd like a fun fact here, the last player featured in this game to retire from playing professional basketball was, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize, Dikembe Butombo, who is uh, representing the Denver Nuggets in this game. He retired in 2009, so he was the uh, last active player featured in this game. So yeah, this is not a proper basketball game. It's not even really like a proper one-on-one basketball game that is a mode in here, but it's more like half court one-on-one where the game just kind of resets when the defensive player gains possession of the ball. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very, very limited. And then everything else, there's a horse, there's just free throws. Um, some of these modes are very slight. I don't know why you would want to play some of these modes more than once, honestly. Yeah, there's a like a, the free throw contest just has you throwing the ball from different angles towards the basket. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was that was causing me to sink some shots and miss others. Yeah, it's so basic. It's really basic. But more than that, like once you're done... You, that's just it. You see, like, what your score is, and then you just go back to the title screen. There's no, like, leaderboards that persist in the game or anything like that. Um, I have no idea why anyone would ever want to play this single player. Like, if you're playing it single player, there is very little for you here. But even two player, this is a pretty sparse game. Yeah, I would feel really bad for for anybody that got this game expecting a full, proper basketball game. Because, uh, yeah, it is... It is so much less than that what it has instead of a full basketball game experience is is so basic that i feel like this would become incredibly boring very quickly i feel like we're saying basic a lot like last week's theme was so close and this week's theme is yeah basic yeah basic (laughs) yeah to find something to complement this game on. Graphically, it does look very good. I mean, there's not much to it because you always have the same basketball court from the same perspective. But like the wood flooring on the basketball floor is shiny and you can actually see like reflections of the players on it, which is kind of neat. Like, so graphically, that's pretty impressive. But that's kind of where my 
my compliments end. I don't have much else other than that. Don't either. I don't think the player sprites look great. Given that one of the big draws of this game is playing as these famous players, I would have expected that to be like one of the standout elements of this game. But a lot of them look pretty interchangeable to me. And yeah, I don't really get a great sense of them playing that differently either. Not much tremendously wrong with the way it looks, but not really much to praise it for either. No music during the events. I don't know. Like there's there's not much to this one. Yeah, so I guess um guess we'll try to rank it. I do we have just the one basketball game on this list still? I thought we had another one. I thought we had done two basketball games at this point but maybe i'm wrong got ncaa basketball way up at number 29 so far uh this doesn't touch that uh no it does not for sure yeah maybe that's the only one i mean obviously bill lambier's combat basketball does not really count but yeah that one's on here too so ncaa basketball looks like it's the the only basketball game we've ranked so far and uh obviously this goes nowhere near as high as that so Nope, um, but it also does not sink nearly as low as Bill Lamebeer's Combat Basketball no. either. So this is going somewhere between those two, but there's a lot of games between those two games. Um, well, I, I think we could probably put this above Space Football one-on-one down at number 112. True, yeah. What do you think about this in comparison to Cyberspin, the extremely basic racing game that we played a few weeks back? I like this better. I do too. I like All-Star Challenge better. I would probably put it above that. I'd put it above Faceball at number uh, 100. I almost said at number 2000. It's Faceball 2000 <laughs> at number 100. Uh, that's that's fair. <laughs> We've got World League Soccer at 91, which I'm having a hard time remembering too much about that one. But obviously, it didn't impress us nearly as much as the Super Soccer's. You know, actually, right above that, we've got the Chess Master at 90. What do you think of that matchup? I think the Chess Master probably is a little bit better just because it is actually a pretty functional game of chess that is, uh, frankly, a bit of fun to play against the computer. Uh, Obviously, better if you can play it with another person, but... You know, at least it has a functional one-player mode, and it is the game that it promises. (laughs) I think this probably doesn't go above the Chess Master for me, at least, even though the Chess Master is, like, presentationally about as basic as you can get. Yeah, and honestly, now that I'm really looking at this, I don't even think I would put this above Super Goals and Ghosts at number 92, either. Well, okay, what do you think about the 95 to 93 range, the, like, Wheel of Fortune, Bart's Nightmare, and Word Triss clump? Do you think this could maybe go somewhere in there? I think so, because I think I would put this above Wordtress. Presentation alone, I think this is a more successful game than Wordtress. Bart's Nightmare is kind of tough. Bart's Nightmare is also kind of like a minigame collection, but... That's true, yeah. These minigames, you're disappointed to see them because you were probably expecting a more full-fledged basketball experience. Whereas Bart's Nightmare is maybe a little bit more truth in advertising, but... They're they're probably worse games, honestly, though. I don't know, even that's a tough call to make, actually, because some of those are pretty bad. This one is pretty tough, actually. It's it's hard for me to decide. Like, do I like the presentation of Bart's Nightmare and what's right about it more? You know, is that elevated above, you know, All-Star Challenge being, you know, like a solid basketball minigame collection, if that's what you were expecting. But it is still like just very Spartan. Though, you know, I, I mean, I think that may be enough, though, because I mean, I think that for as much as we do like the presentation of Bart's Nightmare, some of those parts of it are just not playable. You know, I don't know. I mean, like, let me put it this way. 
what would you rather do if 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 I told you you had to do one of these things? Would you rather try to make progress in that Maggie's Temple game from Bart's Nightmare, or would you rather just mindlessly do free throws in All Star Challenge for fifteen minutes? Which which of those sound less horrible to you? The Maggie's Temple game is not fun, like in any way. It's inscrutable. That being said, though. The three thirds mini game in this is just nothing. Like it's it's so boring. Like it's like you kind of alluded to. I'm also not sure it's like that mechanically sound either. If I'm being honest, because like I also couldn't really tell what I was doing differently on some shots to sink the baskets that I wasn't doing on the other shots. I, I'm basically saying like I think these are the worst aspects of both of these games, and I'm trying to maybe like get a baseline of like which is even worse. So, but like we could also try and compare like some of the better things, like the one-on-one half court in All Star Challenge, which is fine, but still just it's barely what you want out of a basketball game. And I don't know what do you think would even be the best game from Bart's Nightmare? Like the Bartman scrolling shooter is probably the most functional game from Bart's Nightmare to me, at least. But you know, then I'm remembering, like, okay, so like the Maggie's Temple game. Right? We're just talking about Bart's Nightmare <laughs> again now. Uh, the Maggie's Temple game is bad because it's so hard to parse what you're even supposed to do in it. It, it feels almost random. But I don't think it's quite as unfun as the itchy and scratchy mini game in that one. I don't know that I would say anything in NBA All Star Challenge is quite as frustrating as that one. Yeah, the thing about Bart's Nightmare is that like it, it's wildly more inconsistent in what's good and bad about yeah. it. You know, like the the Bartzilla levels look great, <laughs> but really just boil down to very simple, like almost rhythm game style button presses. There's practically nothing to do in that game. Like that game would have been better as a screensaver than as uh-huh. a game. Yeah, true. I guess that NBA All-Star Challenge is a more competently made game all around, probably. Well, okay, so if we compare this to, like, right above it, Wheel of Fortune, I mean, like, is is this a simple matter of, like, oh, yeah, this is obviously worse than Wheel of Fortune? Because I don't even know if I... I don't know if I'd say that, though, is the thing. Like, I don't know. It's fine. No, we, we dinged that one for being a really basic implementation of that game. I dinged it for actively being worse than the NES version that came before it, because that game just moved at a snappier pace and, and just, you know, was better suited to be a video game. So, you know, honestly, I would say m- maybe this makes it easier. I think that this game belongs above Wheel of Fortune. All right. I think I could go with that. I think this works better as a basketball game on the Super Nintendo than Wheel of Fortune does as what it is on the Super Nintendo. I, I can go with that. I think that's where it stops. I-, I think maybe this is our new number 93. I wouldn't put this above Super Goals and Ghosts, would you? I would not. I think this stops where it is. So congratulations, NBA All-Star Challenge, uh, for just barely making it out of the triple digits. Good job. You will probably be there before too terribly long, but enjoy it while it lasts. Indeed. And uh, so, hey, while we're on the topic of Wheel of Fortune, we've got something kind of related to that coming up here. Sure do. We have uh, the other, and um, I, I, I would I would argue better Merv Griffin Enterprises syndicated game show. Uh, you all know and love it. Yep, and you all recognize the music that led us into it. I'm sure it's Jeopardy. 
On that note, we're going to try and keep this segment brief because there's only one piece of music in this whole freaking game, and I don't like having to use the same piece of music for all the interstitials, so we'll see how much of this we can get through in one shot. Actually, though, isn't there another piece of music that plays when you're putting in your name and selecting your character? Oh, you know what? There might be. So maybe there's actually two pieces of music in here. Okay. That piece of music is weird because it sounds like something from like a scrolling shooter. It does not sound like <laughs> it should be in a game show game. So this this one was made by uh, Imagineering and published by Game Tech. We talked about them when we talked about Wheel of Fortune because that is what Game Tech does. They make Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy games and a few other uh, game shows for the most part. Did Imagineering also make the Wheel of Fortune game? You know, actually, I'm not sure. Let me double check that really quick. Because uh, Imagineering has made some other games we've played. They made. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They made the Home Alone games. I know. Because uh, I'm willing to say right off the bat that uh, if they did make both of these games, I think that the Jeopardy game is a better representation of its show than the Wheel of Fortune game was. Uh, this one says Imagitech Design was uh, Wheel of Fortune on SNES. So that, okay. Um, okay, so different company. So Imagitech versus Imagineering. But yeah, you're right. This definitely represents Jeopardy more. I feel like this game flows better. Now, I mean, part of this is because I think Jeopardy is a simpler game. It is, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have all the kind of moving parts, I guess you'd say, literally moving parts that Wheel of Fortune does. You know, the feel of playing this game is fairly similar to trying to play along at home with Jeopardy when you're watching it. And, you know, that's, I think, pretty much what you would want out of this. So it is successful on that count. Yeah, with one obvious problem, which, I mean, really couldn't be avoided at this point in video game history. I, I think I know what you're going to say. Go go ahead. Yeah, which is the fact that you have to actually write out all of the responses with a cursor going along all the letters in the alphabet, which not only means you have to be really good at spelling, which can be a problem when the category is like human anatomy, which is something I actually ran into. I know a lot about human anatomy, but I'll be damned if I know how to spell the word esophagus off the top of my head. The game is also very particular about how you phrase certain things. Like when I was playing it, there was a question where the answer to it was trombone. I put in trombones and it did not take that. Um, even though given like the phrasing of the question, the plural would have made as much sense as the singular. It's got some weird things like that. It's, it's extremely specific about the answers that you put in. One other question, or well, I guess I should say answer because, you know, Jeopardy does the whole, Hey, we're giving you the answers. You provide the question sort of thing. The answer was about the, the SWAT team. It basically wanted me to enter what, you know, SWAT was an acronym for, I am fairly certain it did not give me enough space to actually write it out because I was like, well, it, it's special weapons and tactics, right? And so, I mean, I guess I spelled something. I didn't, I, I think I know how to spell all those words, but maybe I didn't, um, you know, and then I was thinking like, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about what it stands for. But the, one of the computer controlled characters answered the same thing, except they had enough space to put an S at the end. That's very weird. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I'm guessing I must have just uh, uh, mistyped something. But aside from needing to spell, this makes the pace of the game much slower than it is on TV. Play If you were playing at one player against two computer opponents, 
took me at least about half an hour, whereas Jeopardy is half an hour with commercials. So the pace of the game is slower and it gets slower with every new human player that the game has because the computer players will just come up with their answer answers pretty much instantly. But if you had two or even three people all playing this game and trying to enter their answers on this this interface it would really make for a slow experience. You you do have Alex Trebek represented here. He has a voice clip of... uh, The answer is... Yes, yeah, Um, which... It doesn't feel quite as intrusive as some of the cuts in Wheel of Fortune were, but I don't know how terribly necessary it is. Also, Alex has like a weird 16-bit, well, it's not even a sprite, really. It's a portrait, but like his eyebrows and mouth move in a really weird way, and it's... I love it. I think it's really... (laughs) This game looks more or less exactly how you'd expect it to. Pixel art version of the the Jeopardy board, the, the set that you can see looks pretty much like a an adaptation of the set from the like show as it looked in the early 90s that's all fine but the like digital photo of alex trebek they use is really funny and all of the people that you can select to be your kind of avatar are deeply strange looking in different ways i think yeah and there's not very many options for that either for a game that really doesn't have a lot to it i might have expected maybe just throw a few more avatars in there for us guys yeah right it's it's a minor thing but still i mean when there's so little to the game in the first place it does seem like they could have done more of that so another thing i think that this game has the actual announcer from jeopardy as well just doing the intro uh johnny gilbert i think is who it was that's right yeah it's a completely serviceable version of Jeopardy. I don't know if this is the way you'd really want to play Jeopardy, especially when there are other versions out there now that even modern console game versions of Jeopardy have ways of streamlining the process of entering in your answer that this game wouldn't have been capable of back in the day. One thing that's also interesting about playing this game now is the fact that because the game was made nearly 30 years ago, Some of the questions are, I think, now much harder than they would have been at the time because they reference political or pop culture things that just nobody remembers. It's sort of like when I was growing up, my family had a wheel, had a um, a Trivial Pursuit game from like 1986, and that game got harder and harder as each year went on because of how specific some of those questions were. Not to mention, sometimes things happen that make trivia questions wrong or obsolete after the fact so yeah you know that's another issue um i don't know how many questions this game actually has either before it starts repeating i did like that it does give you the option to change your categories if you don't like them yeah yeah so if you're just stuck with categories that you absolutely would not know anything about the game does let you change them which i think is a really good option because that can keep this from becoming a slog if you just end up with like Wow, I know nothing about any of these topics. The questions here do seem like they're aimed for moderately adult audience. Like they're they're not kiddie questions or, you know, really easy questions. A lot of them do seem like questions that would have been on Jeopardy. Yeah, they really do, which is good. I mean, I think that if you're getting the Jeopardy home game, this is, you know, in terms of content, 
pretty much what you want. It's just unfortunate that the interface is pretty kludged together, I think, for how you actually answer the questions. I guess I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I mean, it's perfectly fine for what it is, but as is the case in a lot of games like this, time just sort of makes it a little bit obsolete. I kind of agree. And this game is more recommendable to people if they specifically want the experience of trying to answer the questions that would have been on an episode of Jeopardy in 1992. There is nothing surprising here in both good and bad ways. Well, I guess we'll turn our attention to the list, and right out of the gate, I think an easy comparison is Wheel of Fortune, and I think it's very obvious, I mean, I think that we're both on the same page here, this is certainly more successful than that game was. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I would even put this above, say, like, the Chess Master at number 90. I agree with that, too. How do you think this compares to, say, Monopoly at number 84? I think I like this better than that. I agree. It's a more simple game, which, you know, kind of makes the comparison not quite as fair. But I still think I just I think this just holds up a little bit better. I think maybe the Monopoly game is, you know, again, like it's just so easy to have a version of Monopoly in front of you. Like, why wouldn't you just do that? Right. I'm I'm just trying to find a thing that I really in my gut feel like seems like the ceiling for this. Um, could I offer a potential ceiling of Axley at number 71? Yeah, I think that's fine. I was looking really in that area. I was looking in kind of the range from Axley to Super Tennis as somewhere in there. I could almost see myself just putting this right below Axley because I'm not sure. Like pa- Paperboy 2, it feels really primitive on this system, you know, especially now that we've had a year to, to build on the library. It, it does. So new number 72? Uh, yeah, I think that sounds good to me. All right, let's do it. That was Jeopardy. What is number 72 on the list, Alex? Uh, our highest ranked game for the day. You know what? Not not the best lot of games we've uh, covered on the show thus far, but... Uh, not the worst, either. It's kind of hard to be super excited about, about that clutch of games, I think. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's maybe going to be uh, a theme as we go into next week as well. Yeah, I've got to say, folks... December 92 does not seem like an inspiring month. Is this a Counting Crow song? Because this is going to be a long December. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. What have we What have we got next week? So next week we've got we got more baseball. I'm going to bring a drink for that one, I think. Uh, yeah. Cal Ripken Jr. Baseball. is. You know, it's been a while. Maybe it's better. I mean, there's certainly room for baseball to improve on this system. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we've also got that Bulls v. Blazers game com- coming up. I didn't even realize it, but it's actually next episode. I thought it was further away. Uh, but yes, that is true. That is next week. Bulls versus Blazers and the NBA playoffs. Well, you know, we were, we were just saying we only had one basketball game on the list, and we're, we're adding a bunch of them now. Uh, we got a third game, too. What's that? Well, um, so we're going to be moving away from the world of sports and uh, into the world of product placement. Chester Cheetah, Too Cool to Fool. A Cheetos game. Yay. Oh, boy. I have to admit... Given the last couple of weeks, I'm I'm frankly more excited for that game than I am 
happy to admit. Well, that's going to that's gonna be great. I'm sure all of those are going to be wonderful. <laughs> you guys, this is one of two Chester Cheetah games on this system. Oh, God. Why? They made two of these. He was not a good mascot. I'm just going to say you that. You didn't like Chester Cheetah the, 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 with the cheese that goes crunch? Not really. No, I didn't like his cool sunglasses. The mascots that are trying really hard to convince you that they're cool are mostly not great. Are, are you saying that Chester Cheetah is basically a Sonic the Hedgehog? He is kind of a Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> actually, now that you mention it. Well, okay, before you criticize Chester Cheetah too much, I will remind you that it is not easy being cheesy. Uh, you're right. You're right. I should <laughs> give him a bit of a break. He's doing his best. Let's talk about something else. Let's get serious. Yeah, let's get serious. So, yeah, um, as we record this, this is this is the Saturday before the episode goes out. Uh, this is this is uh, July 18th, and uh, we just got word today that uh, Representative John Lewis has passed away, and uh, that's really sad. He uh, he was a great person who was brave and you know, fought for justice for his entire life. And um, it would be nice to to see someone like that venerated a bit more in in this country than, say, a lot of the people that there are statues up of right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I also want to say, you know, on the topic, uh, John Lewis, there's going to be a lot of people. There are a lot of people today, you know, on social media who are eulogizing this man and, and talking about how great he was. And these are the very people who are doing the kinds of things that he was fighting against. Call it out when you see that. You know, this includes any of your friends who are saying right now that these protests are are just a bunch of people looting and breaking the law and that these protests are not legitimate. Like, take them to task on that, too. Anybody who says that these protests are not legitimate are exactly the kinds of people who are against the things that John Lewis stood for. And don't let them get away with it. Don't let them get away with trying to elevate this person when they're actively against the sorts of things that that he was fighting against. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. Very true. All right. So we just got serious. And with that, we are going to uh, we are going to part for now. We will see you all next week or hopefully we'll we'll have you all listening next week. We really appreciate all of you who stick around through the end segments and listen to the whole thing. And and also to everybody who's been, you know, tweeting at us and saying how much they enjoy the show. We really, really appreciate that. It means a lot to us right now. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who's uh, who's show that I've been on, which is just the one right now. But that that is going to be changing soon. I've got some other things lined up that I will talk about as we get closer to those. You know, thank you to everybody who's been, you know, shouting us out on Follow Fridays on Twitter. You know, we've been getting a lot of love lately on Twitter, and I really, really appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you to everybody listening and everybody, you know, shouting us out. When things in the real world are pretty dark, that that keeps me going and keeps me feeling like, yeah, we're going to keep this up, even though sometimes it feels silly talking about video games when the rest of the world feels like it can be falling apart. I hope that this can be a slight reprieve for all of you in all of this. It is for me. I enjoy doing this. So we're going to keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, we hope that you all have a good week. Stay safe out there. We will see you next time. Yep. So until then, I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. Thank you all. Play it loud.
Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com. Laura Sykes Jambon. Hi. French for ham from Rochester. Had a pygmy goat in college. Why? Uh, For the cuteness factor. Well, there are a lot of other things that are cute. How about a little cat? I had a little cat, and one time my little goat ate ate a chunk of her fur. She didn't enjoy that. No. Billy also enjoyed eating a lot of things, like a three-wick candle, an entire bag of Hershey Kisses, and unfortunately, he met his demise by eating a bag of Quikrete. Wait wait a minute. Was it a 60-pound or an 80-pound bag? Because... Alex, you're being insensitive. You're right. Uh, AJ, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, Who's in charge?